Hi, welcome to Suplex of Sticks, a gaming podcast hosted by David and Seth. Hello! And, and Forrest. <laughs> you okay there, sir? <laughs> Old you... man, do you need some help across the street? <laughs> Sorry, that was my, uh, my brother. Oh, ah, nice. He's, he's older. Is that the... Is that the is voice, that the voice you, were, you were What if we heard in the background? Uh, that, oh. uh, I will neither confirm nor deny the presence of spirits in this room while I'm recording. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, cool. I like it. All right. I thought you were trying to like imitate the uh, the weird neighbor voice from Final Fantasy VII. The like cloaked man next to Cloud's yeah. room. I thought oh. I thought that's what you're going for. Well, we, I've only heard him speak once, so yeah, uh, it's hard to build an impression around. We are going to talk about Final Fantasy VII remake later, because uh, that's mainly what I think all of us have been playing, besides Forrest, who has just been soaking it all in because yes. he doesn't have a PS4. Yep. Uh, Boo, Forrest. I know he did watch me play it for like four hours the other night yes so also the other night david and i were on the phone and i literally like i asked him is gamestop open right now like because i was i was just getting like really excited about it all and i was like you know what i may just i may just drop the money we i may just do it right now so the other night i know that seth has little to no care about the the movie final fantasy 7 advent children and something had just happened in the game that like kind of alluded to it and so what happened was, is I was like, I can only call and freak out to someone. I can only call and freak out to Forrest about this. Like, and so I did. And it got Forrest so hype, he almost bought a PS4. And I was like, whoa, man, calm down. <laughs> the PS5's coming. Yeah. The other day, you texted me and was like, hey, you should come over and watch and we can watch Advent Children. And I was like... Look, I know you love it, but I really don't care about Advent Children. That might change after this movie, this game. Well, Hopefully. okay. The, so the problem at this point, though, is that the graphics in the movie are will not be as good as they are in the no. game. No, they are. In the director's cut, they, they reskinned some of it and updated it. It's like in, yeah, in the director's cut that I have, they went over it and made it better. I'm incredibly skeptical, especially because I have literally le- read from Tetsuya Nomura, who said that the the movie did not look as good as the game. Well, that's true because the game was made in this like just now. Particle effects right. are a lot better. So, like, lighting has improved. I feel like the ga- the game I'm playing now is going to be a more cinematic experience than watching the actual movie. Okay, we we don't need to go into this debate. <laughs> I need to talk about my... Uh, also, the plot of the movie is really stupid. You're not wrong, but that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't mean there's not repercussions to what's happening in this game. Yes. Like this, <laughs> that's why it's a complicated discussion. Um, let's talk about me rolling credits in uh, Animal Crossing, which is the first time I've ever rolled credits in Animal Crossing. And I didn't know you could roll credits in Animal Crossing. I didn't either. I think it might... Mm. So I I played New Leaf for like 160 hours. I don't remember um, it having credits. I have been playing 
New Horizons for about 50 to 60. Uh, I've seen people on their Switch upwards of 100 plus hours. Marianne, I think, is like 80 to 90. Jeez. She's been playing a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I also think that maybe... I know I said in another time that Animal Crossing is perfect for this because everyone's kind of stuck inside and it's a nice positive little thing to play and it'll get your mind off stuff. But Animal Crossing was not meant to be played this way. No. (laughs) In any way, shape, or form. It's meant to be played in small bursts and you're, you're not supposed to be able to break it the way that people have been. And I'm wondering if it's going to lead to the, sh- to this, to maybe a shortening of the interest cycle of the Animal Crossing, maybe because, I mean, people already have their houses already fully paid off, like they're gonna. I wonder if they're gonna add like DLC stuff to, like they have to, to keep people interested at this point because there's people that have full museums now. Already, jeez. Yeah, I, it's you've already started to see some backlash on social media about the game because people have run through this large collection of content because they, in in trying to play the game as fast as possible or just I guess not even as fast as possible but just as much as possible because they don't have other games to play and there's nothing else to do. Um, so, so that's been an interesting uh, thing to see. Um, but it's interesting that you would bring up the point of people like already having paid their houses off and playing it so fast. When you literally, before we started recording, you're like, all I got to do is two more runs of the stock market and I'll have all my expansions on my house <laughs> paid off. That's true. And I, I'm i not saying that. I'm just saying it's not the way the game is meant to be played. I, I'm not... It's you're not saying that you're not doing it. Right, right. So it's like um uh, you know this this reminds me a lot of how me and you played Destiny 2 when it first came out. And we played 60 80 hours worth of content in like two two weeks. Jeez. Like we Seth and I destroyed anything we could in Destiny 2. And then it was like, oh god. I mean, a lot of people felt this way. There was just nothing left to do in it. It was insane. And well, Destiny is a bit more yeah, it's uh, a... complex of a situation because it um, was preceded by a game that had built up this huge library of content for you to do, and it was a game that was sort of implicitly designed for you to play it ad nauseum. Um, and so, like. So I think it was a different issue when it ran out of uh, new stuff to do. Um, for Animal Crossing, though, I think the the issue is that people are, instead of running out of content, they're running into, like, the intended constraints of the game. Um, okay. Because whereas, whereas Destiny was intended to be... Um, endless and you could do anything you could do all the stuff at any time animal crossing it's not designed to be finite but it's it's designed to be like there's only so much you can do at a specific time and if you want 
to continue to do stuff. You have to wait. Um, and But people have treated Animal Crossing like Destiny. Um, even people hmm. who've never played Destiny, but they are playing Animal Crossing. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're like they're trying to be the the world's first raid uh, <laughs> completion. Yeah, that that's a good comparison. I like that. I, I yeah. I I feel like people are like really just barreling their way through New Horizons, and like at this point, like. With, with all these people who have everything filled out and, like, the museums and stuff all done and their houses all paid off and whatever, like, at this point, like, this is something that I saw happen back in uh, New Leaf was, like, once people stopped making progress with anything, they just started creating. So, yeah. Um, there's a lot of creating. I think that there's an issue with the creating, though. And this is... So the reason I grinded so hard to get to this, like, point where you roll credits is there is a thing you get when you roll credits. You get the ability to terraform your island. That's when you get that. Okay. That is not as satisfying as you think it is. And it is kind of... I would argue maybe not that great of a mechanic, not a Hmm. great mechanic. And I think maybe it's also because I... That's never a way that I've wanted to play Animal Crossing. Yeah, the, the, the terraforming... It's not. It's again not designed to be like this endless creativity tool. Uh, it's designed like it does give you the convenience to change a layout when you want to, but it's more like now you can you have this ability. Now you can make the island as exactly as you want it to be. But then, like after that, it it's. What do you have then I don't, to do? Yeah, I don't think the the point of it is to just like go out and remake your island every single day. It's it's more like to give you that that last little push to create your most idyllic version of the island. Right. It's interesting. I a lot of Animal Crossing though. I don't I don't know. I like it. I'm not I'm not saying it's bad. I just I know that maybe we are pushing this game at a limit. It wasn't meant to be pushed. And it's interesting to see what's happening. The and it's because they built this they built this grind into it with the materials and all that stuff. Like they're I, I don't want to say they asked for it. They didn't ask for this. But there is a grind and ran RNG amount to it. Like you don't know what recipes you're gonna get. So you have to grind for recipes. And the grinding for recipes is getting old like just keep in that RNG button and hope you get the recipe you want. Yeah. And it's weird. It's a, yeah, that is certainly one addition that there isn't really like, it wasn't in there before. Um, there was, you, you did at random have, have like random access to, um, different furniture and stuff, just depending on the whims of the game. Um, and, but it's sort of a different animal than the crafting system, because in that the crafting recipes are different, but then also like you have to, um, there's, it's also sort of random your ability to get the, uh, materials to create those recipes. But again, I think, 
Um, a lot of that frustration stems from the kind of initial wave of the game that people were on and the sort of immediate gratification people were able to access by pushing the limits of the game. Um, and so any anything, once you get into a, a slow mode, uh, anything is going to look a little like grindy and re- it's going to feel grindy and repetitive compared to that because you're not reaching those milestones every time that you're playing. Um, and again, this is like... It, so is it a game design issue or is it a, um, a user issue? gameplay? It, yeah. Like, yeah, like a... Um, or is it even a sort of circumstantial issue that if if people still had uh, daily lives um, <laughs> that they did not have to fill with Animal Crossing, like, would they be running into the same stuff? Um, it's honestly, like, the, the way the game... Um, the way... I guess exploded, exploded. It's not really the right word that I'm thinking of, but the initial uh, reaction to the game, um, I, I, I had put off getting it because I was playing something else at the time. Um, but when I finally did it, I, so I still haven't started animal crossing. Um, because I don't know something just like about the, like the way that it has, has flooded my timeline and and reading all about like the the highs and lows that people have gone through like it's kind of uh dissuaded me from starting the game up um i don't know it's it's weird just because like i i actually had a point uh where i was i i reached that that sort of the fomo i guess uh of like not playing the game and um, seeing what everyone else was doing, like it, it, it made me feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm falling behind. Everyone else is playing this game, but again, that's that's sort of a thing that is, um, antithetical to what Animal Crossing is, right? Um, yeah. And so, I don't know. It's 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 weird. So I I haven't started the game yet. I I want to be. I. I at this point, I think I want to be far enough away from the the heavy discourse, quote unquote. Um, yeah. So I, I can just sort of enjoy it for myself, rather than uh, for having to to beat the game, so I can talk about it with people. So that was how I was feeling like the opening weekend of the game, but I had a. I, I ended up texting you about it and I articulated it in maybe a poor way, but that's how I felt. And so it's really nice to hear you maybe articulate that a better way than I did. Cause I just got kind of overwhelmed. I'm like, man, everyone wants to play this with me. Everyone was gifting me stuff that yeah. I hadn't, I didn't have the ability to get it yet. And they're like, Oh, yeah. here it is. And I'm like, no, I want to get this myself. I want to play the game and earn this. And like, I was like, I like shut down. I had turned my switch off the internet to play it so that people didn't know I was online because then I, I was getting a bunch of texts to join my island. And I mean, I, if any of the people are listening, I love you. I, it's not 
I understand. I want to play video games with my friends. It's I never played Animal Crossing that way before. I had never, ne- never, yeah. never in my 3DS days, never like went to other people's island. I just played it casually as I went. And like this, the virus and like the circumstances, like Seth was saying, it led to this weird sort of environment where Animal Crossing became this mass, like everyone needs to play together, like this type of thing. And then it was strange. Yeah. It, um, especially in those first two weeks, Animal Crossing kind of became the new social space for a lot of people. And sometimes, like, even if it is digital, a social space can be kind of overwhelming. And if you don't want to play the game like that, then don't, you know? Like, yeah. you don't have to. I'm wondering, I'm excited to see if Seth likes this game, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Seth, are you there? I'm sure that I will. Okay. I, I'm i wondering, I'm just wondering how you'll like the crafting and everything. That's, yeah. I'm really interested because that's one thing I don't like. I don't, I, it's very bothersome to me. Um, someone, I wish I could remember, it was on Twitter and it was a post on a gaming site I'd never read before, I think. And it was that Animal Crossing has an A button problem and they're like on average i hit the a button like 1500 times when i'm playing because of all the dialogue and all the everything you use it for which is everything um but we've talked too long about animal crossing <laughs> seth you played neo 2 i did i believe I that you beat it finally yes i finally reached the end um so it turns out i was a little bit ahead of myself last week when i thought that i could have uh beat the game um your like hold on within... your exact your exact text was i missions keep popping up you you just text <laughs> yeah. me you're like you're like they just keep coming yeah so i where i was in the story like it seemed like it was coming to a conclusion which it, i mean and i wasn't wrong about that part of it it's just the <laughs> amount of missions that it took to get there was a bit um, more than I was anticipating. Um, And of course, that's not a bad thing, but it was just like I I was like, oh, okay, so that's where that stops, and there's another mission. Um, And of course, the way that I, I I play through the levels in a very meticulous fashion um, which tends to make them last a bit longer than maybe someone else who was playing it would. Um, and I don't know, just the amount of, because of the amount of weapons and the different ways you can customize characters and, and all the different stuff there is to collect, like that also um, not artificially increases it, but because those things are so keyed into like my what um god i guess the the pleasure center in my brain when i'm playing video <laughs> games like it made me want to keep doing all these little things over and over um so what might have taken someone else less time took me a bit uh more and that's not to say that that's a bad thing cuz it's a very very good game um i had s- so much enjoyment, some 
not as much frustration as I had enjoyment. I'd certainly a good amount of frustration in the game. Um, but it's, it's a it's a very good game. Uh, fully recommend. But there is an interesting quirk to the story that uh, <laughs> happened right at the end. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Not, I'll not give any story, like, the actual stuff of the story um, away. Um, the really... I don't know. <laughs> I wonder how many people are out there are big, like, neo-loreheads um, that, like, <laughs> that are, like, super invested in this stuff. Yeah. Um, I think, like, I think this stuff is interesting because it's... it's a, uh, I really enjoy, like, the pseudo-historical, um, like... All the characters based off real life people and all that stuff, and it sort of loosely follows the actual outline of history. Um, that stuff's very cool to me, and so in a way, it's hard to spoil what happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It's hard to spoil um, history. Yeah, because it already happened. Um, but of course, there is there are differences, and there are, uh, are certain characterizations that are likely different from history, and they have. They have arcs that are going through the story. Um, so I'll try not to spoil much of that stuff for anyone who cares. Um, but as we know, the game Neo 2 is a prequel to the original Neo. Um, the first Neo saw you playing as this white guy named William who came to Japan um, to track down this evil sorcerer and then he kills him he goes back to england or he goes back to england and kills him that's um that's yeah that's the general outline of that game um neo 2 takes place i don't know how many years um it precedes the game and goes right up about to the beginning of neo 2 or the original neo um and then uh then, um, so you, you fight this boss who, like, at the time, uh, like, it's the big bad of the game, but I remember fighting the boss and feeling like, this can't be the, like, this doesn't feel like the final boss. Um, it certainly was, like, an impressive fight, for sure. Um, but, uh, like, I felt like something was going to happen, but also I didn't. Like, the way the story, like, it, it seemed to, like, come to a conclusion, but it didn't feel like a fight against the final boss of you, if you, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand what there would be for how the story to continue. Um, but so, like, the game ends with you sealing this monster away and um, your character going into, uh, like, this slumber. So basically, like, they have to sacrifice himself to get rid of this evil. Oh, it's Kingdom um, Hearts Birth by Sleep. Yeah, you know, it's a classic, uh, it's, it's a classic video game trope. Um, and then, like, the very next scene, well, I'm, I don't even remember if it was, like, you started up the next mission or if it just happened. Um, like, it's the guy waking up, and it's like, gosh, I think it was, like, 20, 10 or 20 years later. Man, that can't be right. I remember it was a very it was a long jump in time. Like I talked last last time about the the weird jump. 
But yeah, all of a sudden your character's awoken by, um, hmm, how, well, I'll just say, he wakes up like 20 years later, and you are suddenly, at the very end of the game, you, it is now taking place after the end of the first Neo, um, and not even that, so, um, like, that was a cool little Easter egg. Or, not really an Easter egg, but it was a cool little thing that I wasn't expecting to happen. Um, and, but as it turns out, though, it's not even post-Neo 1. It is post all three DLCs of Neo 1. Oh. And all yeah. of them, apparently, are become <laughs> really important to the story that is happening in Neo 2. Um... <laughs> Because, like, it's it's so, it's weird. Because, like, so you defeated the, the bad guy of Neo 2. And so, for them to bring them back, the only way for it to happen was... So, look, I, I never played the DLC of Neo 1. I don't know if this was teased or not. But, like, the one of the villains, the, who, I guess who ended up being the overarching villain of... Neo one in the DLC is now instigating this. I guess I guess you call it an epilogue to the story of Neo two, um, but they've brought back the big bad and to make you have to fight them again, and it was just like I was sort of bewildered by this. Um, so I had read a little bit about the Neo one DLC and the stories in it. Um. It involves William going back to Japan because he hears that there's still these wars going on. And he goes back to try and figure out what's going on. And it's this, like, woman who is from Spain who has come and is instigating all this trouble. Just like this random woman. And so she shows up. Or she didn't even show up at first. She's, like, the characters talk about her at the end of Neo 2, and I'm like, what is happening? Who who are they talking about? <laughs> like, even though I knew about it, it was just, it was so weird. Because it felt so completely detached from, like, the rest of the game. Um, and I mean, it was, but it was just so bizarre to me that... The way that they would tie the way they would tie the story up, um, and it's sorting and it and it's a it ties up the both one and two. Um, oh, that's actually yeah. kind of pleasant. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that was also really surprising was how much of a focus like William got in it. Like this guy was like not mentioned at all in this game. I knew about him. I knew about his story because of Neo One, and then all of a sudden. He has become an important part of the very end of this story, along with this random woman. Um, it was so bizarre. Uh, and, I mean, maybe they threw it in there as, like, a treat for people who had played Neo 1, but it was... I guess the thing that really confounds me is the fact that it... how it specifically integrates characters from the DLC that if you hadn't played that, you would have no idea who they are. Um, and even in, like, the... 
the character biography menu. Like it, it tells a little bit about it, um, but it's just, it's like, what is happening? Why is this a thing? I thought this game was over. I mean, I'm glad there's a little more of it, but the way in which they did it was just so weird to me. Like I remember play after the end. I, I text you, David. Like it, I'm almost persuaded to get the DLC, uh, the season pass, just in case. Because if there's ever a Neo Three, I want to play it. And you know um, that they have a tendency to build off of DLC. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and so now that I know that this is a possibility, I'm like, well, do I need to play these? Uh, and the more interesting thing about it is that there is this cutscene at the end of the game that has these lore implications that seems to foreshadow the characters you will play as in the DLC, which takes a place further in the past. And so now I'm like, well, are they just going to keep going backwards and integrating these characters and then, like, jumping forward ahead of time at the end of every game? One step Um, forward, two steps. No. Dang. I messed up the phrase. (laughs) One step backwards, two two steps steps forward. forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I don't know. In time. It's weird. And it's... <laughs> it's so weird. I did... I mean, I kind of... I appreciate it at the end because the very end of it, like, there, it was a very sweet wrap-up of the, the preceding story. And it gave you... It, it, it gave a little closure for a character who was maybe uh, unfairly treated uh, throughout the story of the game. Um, and so that was good. I, I really enjoyed the ending as like dumb as it was but it was cool that um it was a treat for me because there were just these two missions where you got to team up with the protagonist from the first game um and so that that was fun uh but yeah it's it was a definitely a weird way to end end the game yeah i was i was texting seth like i believe it was saturday um wanting him to or it was sunday wanting him to stop what he was doing to play final fantasy 7 because <laughs> i was making real progress in the story yeah and he just was like these quests keep popping up i can't <laughs> i can't stop yeah, playing I can't, this. I can't leave it it was weird so i actually um so a cool thing about it the game has a new game plus oh. uh for all intents God and purposes, oh, I no. they, love I love a new game plus. But the cool thing about it is, so like you don't even have to start a new game, um, like immediately after you finish the final mission, um, you can open up the map screen that that transits between the different maps, uh, and and just press a button and it will open up like the new game plus maps and rather than having to progress through all like, um like literally linear linearly progress through the missions again like the the first the full first two maps of missions are are open from the from the very start um and so i would imagine like there are probably progress gates um but once you beat those it would open up a a whole new brand, brand new set so um it is basically a new game plus but it is actually like uh, it's cool in that it just gives you access to basically a huge chunk of content rather than you having to kind of um, to to allow you to to pick and choose specific stuff that you want to do rather than have right. to yeah. like slog through all of it again. Yeah. Um, 
in the same way and that man, you did the first time around. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it would only be a slog M- because, like, it's because it's stuff that I've done before. Yeah. Um, and so it's cool, like, to immediately have that option. Oh, here's a bunch of maps. If you want to start replaying, you could do them in, in whatever order. Um, and there are some, I mean, you know me, like, <laughs> loot games, I'm always enticed by new stuff. And once once you beat the game, um, like, when you defeat the final boss, he drops a bunch of loot that is at a rarity that was uh, previously unavailable to you. Ooh. Um, mm. And so it's like, so now you have the option to try and get all of these all these swords and stuff in this brand new rarity. Um, uh, and so it's certainly, for me, uh, an, an enticing proposition. Um, I went through and I played one of, like, one mission. And man, like, it was impressive how, like, much they ramp up the the strength the power of enemies because like i was i was having uh as much issues as as i was like the first time around so um it would be there's certainly um if you're interested in that it's there to do and you know the, always the worry about a new game plus is that you can well at it depends on what you want a new game plus to be, of course. Um, I the to me a, a game like this, it doesn't become less fun, but it's certainly um, a different experience when you can just kind of roll through levels. Um, and so it's I I appreciate that new game plus while it it you have access to all your gear and abilities and stuff. It, the game is still. It it has sub, it it has equally ramped itself up in 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 strength to to kind of match you, um, so that's that's good to know. If I ever want to drop back into some of that stuff, that there's still a challenge waiting for me. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yep, it's a good game. I I would fully recommend it to anyone. Also, the first one, first they're both very good games. And I really hope that they make a sequel. Um, and the DLC sounds pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's cool. Good game. Sick. Per Seth. <laughs> Which, yes. his opinion is not to be... Taken lightly. Ta- yeah, if he says it's yeah. a good game. And it is, uh, if you like the first one, uh, there's there's some stuff in it I really appreciate that, like... The way it expands the lore of characters from the first one through the actions of characters in in the second one, which is the prequel, um, like their characters who like their backstory is entirely stuff that is in Neo Two, and so like if you grow to appreciate these characters, um, Neo Two also offers that to like, like yeah, it's got these characters who have their own arcs, but then you cross paths with stuff that ends up playing out in the first one which is cool nice all right forest what have you played i played more Mega Man zero three <laughs> so we're gonna get another have you not beat it here. Yet? i no <laughs> but no, that's because i enjoy this game a lot so i actually like i like taking my time with it you know which probably isn't the best for this, but 
I got other stuff to talk about too. So I'm I'm allowing myself to cut myself short in regards to lore dumps here. But um so quick recap on how Zero Three starts. Um We don't need a recap. Okay, there's fine. Cyber no Elves. Recap. Yeah, Cyber Elves Doctor Wild is a cy- war criminal. <laughs> yes. And he he made the mother elf and corrupted it to become the dark elf. Or did he make the one mother thing, elf? I don't know. One thing that we did not get into last time. <laughs> so Dr. Weil, he was like this criminal. Uh, and he, like, pri- in the, in, prior to the events of the game, he was sentenced to, like, this Egg- life punishment. Yes, he was they exiled. Stuck his, they stuck his head in a jar and they... St- put it on top of this robot body and dropped him in the desert and were like, you're going to have to wander here for the, your, the entire rest of existence because he I couldn't die. I thought they die. shot him into space at some point. I don't know. I just know that he... <laughs> he was exiled. Yes. That's what and with with the, the, the punishment of never being able to die and having to live forever, like, uh, because of his crimes. Like, it's just... Uh, it's just... It's pretty hardcore. Yes. Also, legally, he is still considered to be human so any reploid that attacks him even though he is a horrible person it is counted yeah, as like not, illegal they're not they can be to, labeled as mavericks they're not allowed to kill him and he is not allowed to die okay of course so, being a villain that ends up being you know <laughs> not a great idea yeah right <laughs> because he can just come back exactly and he, indeed, it is he unfortunately does. not it's not a car situation where he goes insane. He instead just becomes more conniving. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, um, you get into a uh, bunch of missions where you have to track down the baby elves uh, in a race against Wile and Neo Arcadia and all that jazz. And um, there's a lot going on. <laughs> in, in, we're not even, like, halfway through the game. Um, this right, is we, actually very do you dense wait? game. Do you want to wait till you finish? Because I'll do a, a short section. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Basically, Omega. Uh. Captures the Dark Elf and absorbs it into its body, and then Zero has to because Zero was fighting Omega. And right. He's got a ditch. Um. Who, he takes, uh, Harpuya with him, who got injured in a, uh fight and he was uh basically stripped of his position by uh the revived copy x now with a newly stutter added in for fun um (laughs) and uh there's so much i i'm looking at my notes for this and i'm i'm basically skimming them so that i don't have to go through every detail but um, <laughs> so back at the resistance base, Copy X contacts uh, CL, who's the leader, who's working on the energy crisis situation, and he's basically like offering amnesty in exchange for her new uh ener- energy system, and she doesn't trust that because we all know by this point how much Copy X has ruined everything and how he's kind of the start of all of the problems. You so know? X is the beginning of all the issues in these games. Yes. Okay. Um, well, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Yes, and also... Eh. As we know right now. <laughs> yes. Um, so she doesn't uh, give in to Copy X, and then so Copy X decides to 
basically oh gosh why am i freezing on these words right now uh basically send an attack force to the resistance base and try and completely wipe it out um and after zero stops that he goes to fight copy x and neo arcadia and defeats him again um but before copy x can transform into basically the final form that he was that you fought at the end of the first game uh it's revealed that Dr. Wild put a basically a failsafe on Copy X's body to where it would just destroy him if he tried to. Oh, that's tragic. Yes, yeah, so then Wild takes over as the leader uh, of New Arcadia. Nice. And that's where I'll stop. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I am hard fumbling through this. You have, I'm looking at his phone screen, Seth, and he has what I, I maybe is a novel. Left. Yeah. <laughs> This the plot to this game for a Game Boy Advance game is yes entirely too intricate. Yes, yeah, I loved yeah. it as a kid though, yeah. and I still love it now. I'm gonna be honest. There's there's too much happening. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but you know we're used to it now with maybe, a bunch of the other stuff we played. Maybe, right? Maybe Mega Man deserved to stop being made. Or this this game. Whoa. Like, this is too much. This Whoa. is too deep. This is the best Zero game. But the problem is, like, yeah, gameplay is good. But that lore is <laughs> too story complex. The story isn't, you know, they could have. I mean, it's but an I... issue that all, like, post X4 games had. That, like, the story just became too much and then even after they reset the the, they reset the lore with Mega Man Zero it still it just went off into these places that's like this is just insanity I would be willing to make the argument that pre X4 there wasn't really much lore to work with that's I mean and back then that's that's okay back then yeah exactly blue man shooting things and robots exactly but like once the 2000s started rolling around games as a whole started becoming i don't know if you go zero to 60 you go zero to 30 listen especially on the game boy advance you actually go x to zero yes (laughs) okay fair we actually went x to x because x is a variable here um it All could right. be anything. It's true. That's variables. true. It's very true. I don't yes. want to talk about variables. Th- yep. That's where you got. That's what the name is from. That's where we get I ZX. I, I would. But look, <laughs> there, there is the one, two, and X three are certainly not lore heavy, but they're very simple. There are there is stuff going on in the background, like the fact that like in X two, one of the robots was a reincarnated version of Dr. Wily who rebuilt Zero to the original specifications. Uh, did you know that? I would be... Wow, you just, are you are you gotcha journalism? Yeah. <laughs> journalism forest right now? Um, I would... It's very interesting. I would like to see if they, like, just in the middle of all these games and the, the whole sentiment, they just decided to hire this writer that decided to go off the rails. I want to. Yeah, that's a good. That's I want a good question. I'll I'll look because, into this. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, like because there is certainly like once once the games moved over to PlayStation, there was a different um, direction that they that they decided to go into. Yeah. Like I like yeah. X Four. 
But it was all. It's also of the good Mega, Mega Man X games. It's probably my least favorite, just because I never really like the the art change. Um, and while I appreciated the terrible melodramatic voice acting, um, <laughs> the story itself was a little like, gosh, what the heck is <laughs> this? Yeah. Is a little much. Yeah. Um, it was v- very t- melodramatic. This this isn't saying I don't I like our lore dumps. I'm just saying <laughs> it really seems like they let someone someone needed an editor. <laughs> someone someone needed an editor. Yes, and and someone needed the scope of I'm making a Game Boy Advance game. Like that's that's just. But I well, I also I say that loving Golden the... Sun, which <laughs> yeah, is very contrived and complicated. I don't think the platform should be excluded uh, necessitate the amount of like story depth a thing has but for me the specific way the lore was handled in the zero games it was always like Ugh, this is just so it doesn't feel uh, i don't know it, it just never suited me um it was also weird the problem with the x games is that they had built a system where the villain always had to be Sigma. Yeah. And so they always had to come up with these dumb ways to make it not seem like Sigma because he always died totally at the end him. of the last ones. Yeah. All right. You also played something else. Yes. I, Let's uh, move on. Yes. Uh, another Capcom game. Woohoo. Love it. Um, I started Resident Evil 3 remake. Um, basically everything I liked about the 2 remake, I like about this game. Um, and all the new stuff that they did add in i talked about a few weeks ago when i played the demo (laughs) so there isn't like much else to talk about um except for my specific experience today i decided to do like the assisted mode um for my playthrough this time around which is like super baby easy mode okay which like there's like there's like lock on aiming and you do more damage and you take less Beating a game is beating a game. Exactly. Don't feel bad about it. Exactly. And these games are very replayable, so, like, you're able to go back through, not like a New Game Plus style, but, like, you know where everything is going to be, you know how you have to deal with it, Um, and then you can just ramp up the difficulty each new playthrough and work your way through it and feel like you're actually getting better at the game. Um, So I started on Assistant Mode today, and something that this game does that the two remake didn't do is that this one starts you with an assault rifle which like are you sure it's not just for the baby mode it's yeah for it is for the assisted mode yeah so like this is baby mode (laughs) starts you with an assault rifle baby mode sounds mean but i'm not saying it that no i'm meaning it that way listen it it's assisted mode should be baby's first resident evil playthrough and that's okay you have to start somewhere might as well start from the bottom and build your way up you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's still a great time. I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Um, Nemesis is cool, but also because I'm on assisted mode, I am taking him down literally every time he shows up. And I have more kind ammo. Kind of than, the point of Nemesis. Yes, a little bit. And I have more ammo than I'm probably ever going to need. I yeah. Within an hour of playing, I think I amassed around 200 handgun bullets which is insane. I was about to say I I I haven't played Resident Evil in so long that I don't know the I don't know if that's a lot of Resident Evil bullets or not. It, like I 
I have no frame of reference for that. Back in back in two, at any given time, I maybe like if I was having a good like session, I and I was like working my way well, I had maybe forty at most. But now I have like three stacks of sixty in my item box, and I've got seventy on me at the moment. Like I'm I'm just barreling through this. Nice. Yeah, and and part of that is because the beginning, like the first hour of the game, is mostly what was covered in the demo, with a few things um mixed around, like the bolt cutter is in a different spot, which threw me off. Um, <laughs> Wait, so something was in a completely different <laughs> yes. area? Nice. <laughs> and it was in in the game. It is it is put in the area right after the demo ends. Which normally in the demo you had the bolt cutter in a different spot uh, earlier, so that nice. so I was expecting one thing. So I I'm glad that I got played. Um, but yeah, it looks fantastic. Uh, I think like the current Resident Evil games and DMC five and Final Fantasy seven are some of the best looking games right now. And for all the Capcom ones, it's just because of the RE engine. And I, I I love seeing every new game that comes out and uses this. Uh, like, it's just a technical wonder. If, I hope if you really like it, because it. it seems like they're going to be remaking a ton of stuff in it. Yes. Which I don't super want to get into. No. Because I, I have words on that that I will save. <laughs> I, I will spare you. Um, but yeah, Resi 3 is a fun time. Uh, I, I recommend it. Right now, probably just as much as I'd recommend too. Um, it is a little bit different in tone. Um, it it plays very much the same, but it feels more action heavy because it is. Nemesis is a much more action based threat and is persistent. Um, the problem is that like Mister X, I think, is more memorable for me now because of how terrified I was back in the two remake uh nemesis now that i've already kind of dealt with this type of enemy i i don't know you know like it it's 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 lost a lot of its luster and a lot of the fear factor for it right yeah fear is not a factor for you not anymore right but also i have the cushion of playing it unassisted so maybe that'll change in, like, two playthroughs from now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's got to definitely change yeah. how you view the game. Because especially with how integral the the Nemesis system is with him chasing you yeah. through the entire city. Yes, So which the city is very well designed. I like it. And the lighting, beautiful. Love it. I, I love all the shadows, especially when you're going through the alleyways. You'll see like the shadow of a zombie and just seeing it round the corner, even though you know it's coming around, it's still, it it's very exciting and a little frightening. Nice. Yeah. That's, all right. That's all I got. With that, we are going to take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Thank you for holding up. We appreciate that. Can you 
do me a favor. Next time we do a break, or even right now, go to social network, your favorite one, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on all of them, and go to Suplex the Sticks. Follow us, like us, retweet the latest episode. We'd super appreciate it. Share it with your friends, you know, all that good stuff. We have a lot of good content coming up. We're going to be doing our review episode within the next two episodes for Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, We're going to talk about that game at the end of the episode after the news if you want to listen to it and maybe hear a little bit of spoilers. We're going to talk about it. And, you know, just let us know what you think of the show. We super appreciate your feedback. Uh, Check us out on Discord. We throw gaming news and stuff in there that we maybe don't talk about during the show because either it's not stuff we can actually talk about or it's, you know, not good discussion pieces. So like us, please. That's why we do the show. Also, we like each other, kind of. Maybe not forced. I'm just kidding. Oh, (laughs) It's It's the bad jokes. It's the bad jokes. That's all it is. That's what makes them so great, David. Um, all right, Seth, I want you to, to throw out the first piece of news because this means more to you than it does to me. And I only have a small blurb about it. Um, ah, what is it? It's the, the, the new XCOM game. I have no frame of reference for this. So I guess this was a sort of surprise announcement. Um, but, uh, the developers of XCOM... Um, not 2K, but I think Firaxis, they announced that they are releasing a sort of standalone expansion-ish type thing um, next week. I guess a spinoff is probably more accurate. I don't know. It's it's called uh, Chimera Squad, XCOM Chimera Squad. It launches next week. Um, okay, that's that's quick. Yes. Yeah, next week. Um, it is dropping in hot. Yeah, it it seems pretty cool. Uh, it seems like they're taking like they are. It makes sense that it's a spinoff because they um, are. They seem to be like tr- trying to do something different with it. Um, they're like the. The, the way the turn orders are going, it's going to work differently. Um, the agents in it, whereas previously they were kind of um, expendable characters, I guess. Like, uh, you, you drew from a, a pool, like, you could develop characters, but, you know, they would die in missions and you could recruit new ones. Um, but in this one, they, like, there are specific characters um, like that they're going to try and, and flesh out as actual uh, people in the in the universe. Um, that's cool because they're not only all humans. Like some of them are aliens and and different things, um, but they're all like specific design characters rather than um, randomly generated out of a pool of of different stuff. Um, well, they're going to be like specialized classes to go along with them. Um, the, des- the encounters are going to be like specifically designed again, rather than 
um, the randomized stuff. Uh, so it seems like it's like it's pretty interesting. There there still seems to be the kind of um, overworld uh, de- decision making that you have to do, uh, but it also appears a little different. So it's it seems pretty neat, um, and it and it looks like they are taking the the formula of XCOM, um, which has been uh, iterated on by so many games since it's come out. And I guess it's not like it wasn't their formula originally, um, but they they crafted a, a kind of a specific look and feel of a a turn-based tactical uh, strategy game um, that other people uh, mimicked and and, and changed, uh, and it and now it looks like they're doing a little bit of uh, uh, experimentation themselves. So it looks pretty cool, and it seems like it's going to be uh, like half off uh, at and in, in during the launch window, the launch period, to like ten bucks instead of twenty. Nice. So it's yeah. That's a good incentive yeah, to you, jump if in you early. Purchase it before May first. It's only nine ninety nine. Nice. So yeah, it's cool. It and and it doesn't look like it's it's not going to be like a huge, expansive experience like XCOM like the XCOM one and two. But uh, it, it seems uh, I'm definitely interested. Great. And XCOM. You love XCOM. I I've never played it. I need to, but I might, games. might be too late on this. Um, there's a stay at home initiative going on around, of course, the whole nation and everywhere <laughs> around the world. Uh, and some of the gaming companies are making that a little easier. Throw any other um, one of these sort of free things in our discord or on our Facebook and we'll shout them out. Uh, but Uncharted Trilogy and Journey are free on PSN. Assassin's Creed 2 is free on PC. And Google Stadia, the first two months are free. Um, so the And that's the Google Stadia that includes, I think, Destiny and stuff. So there's games to play if you don't have them. They're a little older, but that doesn't make them any less good. Uh, except for the Uncharted trilogy, which is just hallway shooter with cool climbing. But, you know, whatever. I like to get uh, my jabs what in it. What? What a hater. I, man, if only the shooting was as good as the traversal in those games. Uh, spoilers, it's not. But it's a shame. Uh, World War Z is getting a Game of the Year version and a Switch version. As Seth pointed out while we were looking at the news, I'm not sure that World War Z won uh, any Game of the Year awards. Yeah, I so, must have missed that. Who who uh, knows? Though it did remind me, like that was, uh, a, a, this is a thing that games no longer do, but it used to be that like when games would release new versions of themselves that had like all the collection of DLC. They were always called Game of the Year editions. Like terrible games would come out with their own Game of the Year editions. Um, I'm pretty sure like and, Aliens had the really bad Aliens game had a Game of the yeah, Year. Yeah, it was it was just like this weird naming convention that everyone did uh even though it was mm-hmm. most of the time not accurate. Yeah. Um and that seemingly ceased and and here we go. We got another another game doing it. History has now, a tendency to repeat itself. Now most people just call itself. it like, 
like it's definitive like deluxe or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, well, I, I, it's funny to me that that's the name they're using. I, I do appreciate the, uh, the little throwback that it, that it has. I, I'm curious. I tried Googling it. There's no answer what the first game of the year edition was. Um, and I can't I've, imagine there's any way to find that out. I think it was either Fallout 3 or Gears of War 2. I'm not sure, but yeah. At least that's what's on Giant Bomb. So, who knows? Uh, they There's a little bit more news. The You can now remap buttons on your Switch, uh, so yay for accessibility. Accessibility is super important in this day and age, and it should have always been important, to be honest. And this is one step closer for people that maybe were not able to play the Switch in a great way. Uh, now they're able to. And also it means you won't have to deal with people making a bunch of unnecessary screen caps uh, by accidentally hitting the screen cap button because you can just disable it. Oh, man. So yeah. I didn't even think 10 about that. 10 out of that. 10. I think it's it's cool that like this Nintendo is doing this too. Like, can... Can you do this on PS4 or three or Xbox One? I don't think you can. Well, Xbox One, yes, because they have the yeah. adaptive controller. Right, but could you do it? I guess you... Can you do it with just like a regular gamepad? Yes, I think you can. Because mm-hmm. they added that when they released the Pro yeah, Controller. The one with the, yes. the, the paddles the on the back. Yeah, That's true. Uh, yeah, it, but it's it's definitely cool, neat that it's neat that Nintendo's doing this, who are usually <laughs> so far in the other direction when it comes to like accessibility, customizing the uh, the like the, the way a game works that in in ways that they did not design it to. If anything, sometimes they make their controllers harder to use. Um, N sixty four. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> you know. N sixty four is not that bad. Yeah, it's not terrible. Yeah. Everyone always complains about the D-pad, but also no games use the D-pad, so what was the issue? <laughs> All right. Uh, Where's the lie, <laughs> as they say? Um, I did want to throw in, I didn't note this, but Picross S4 is coming this month or next month. and yep. It was announced in Japan. Yeah. Certainly a U.S. announcement is coming soon. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I've been playing Color Picross on Picross S3. And I didn't. It's very good, but it's also very hard. <laughs> um, it's cool though. And random gaming thing. Uh, there's going to be Evangelion themed Tamagotchis in Japan, and I'm really hoping they come to America because um, I love. They won't Evangelion. Well, I'll find a way to get them. I'll spend too much money to import one. Yeah. Maybe who knows? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you have to. If I remember Tamagotchis right, I don't think there's a whole lot of reading that you have to do to make them work because it's mostly just visual icons. So right. uh, you could probably the do the one. things you, you take like? care of. I don't know. The things yeah. you take care of in the game are the uh, the angels, the big monsters, and so mm-hmm. that's cool. I like it. <sighs> yeah, Evangelion. <laughs> it's weird. Let's talk about something else with a weird contrived plot that's also cool <laughs> and awesome. 
and great. And now, if you don't want to know anything about Final Fantasy VII Remake, now's the time to stop listening. Uh, we're going to talk a little up to where Seth is at, because I'm further than Seth. We're going to do a full spoiler episode at some point, and we're going to do a review, ep- like our usual review, um, probably in the same episode. But this is just talking about initial impressions. And I honestly, part of me is glad we're doing it this way, because I wish that I had gone into this game a little more blind. I wish that I had not seen that five-minute Square Enix <laughs> Final Fantasy VII remake trailer that I thought, oh, you know, nothing can surprise me in Final Fantasy VII. Guess what? Psych. <laughs> yeah, it can. Um, uh, Seth isn't yeah. even to that stuff yet. Um, so it's I'm it's not, exciting. and I also haven't watched the trailer. So, yeah. you and know. I, I'm glad you haven't. Yes. So Seth is at Reactor... The second reactor five, run. yeah, the yeah, reactor, reactor five running run. Um, yeah, I, 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 last I played was right before the Airbuster fight. Who is the boss of Reactor Five? So, how are One you enjoying the, the combat? Um, I, I really like the combat. Um, it's, I, 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 I'm not to the point where I am frequently switching off of cloud to do stuff like i think the game is is mostly like since the the game is mostly from cloud's perspective so i think they put the most work into him but of course that's i'm 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 not presumably not that far in the game i do enjoy using tifa um she's fun uh because she has a, a in like a, a very different style of fighting than cloud which is cool um and was a bit unexpected actually like the way that her her whole systems are, are different than the way cloud works or or bear works um, yeah but it's it can be a lot to juggle um sometimes just because because of the way it it all works like you have them all operating independently but you also need to be on top of their abilities and stuff um and your health can drain pretty quickly if you're not paying attention to that stuff okay Um, so so this is this is my tip then i switch off characters maybe every 30 seconds to a minute and that is because the character's atb does not charge as fast when they're doing their normal attacks so yeah. in order to like create a rhythm, I ha- I make myself switch every 30 seconds to a minute. And that's also because there's Tifa requires so much attention when you're fighting as her because yeah. her stuff is all stacking. And yeah. it's so weird how each of them fight and how they're each different. And it's just it's kind of beautiful. And it also makes me realize why, like, I remember we lamented a little bit back when they made the announcement that uh, Red 13 wasn't playable, but the amount that they built each character to to use in combat, mm-hmm. adding another character to that is, is crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, you can tell they are um, specifically, well, not specifically, they they are very intricately crafted. Um, they're not just uh, 
it's not like they all have the same actions like they did in the original game. Right. Yeah. Um, like and you can give them same like materia and stuff, but they all um, are designed to work differently. They and so it would be it would be a li- a, a little bit extra to add a, a fifth character who's doing that stuff. And and to be honest, the two characters I think you have to baby the most, and by baby I mean spend time on during combat, are Tifa and Aerith. We haven't you haven't gone to Aerith yet, so I don't want to spoil too much of how she works. But she requires a lot of like, okay, you need management to what you're doing because the AI isn't using her as effective as she could be. And, right, and I mean she's I can. Like, I can un- already see the issues because she is a spellcaster. Right. And so the um, that's one of the things. Like, there are – I found there are specific materia that can get your non, like non-player-controlled like non party members to use spells in certain situations. Right. Um, but it's not something that they do actively. Right. Uh, they don't use their spells at all if you are not controlling them. Yeah. Which is infuriating. <laughs> they, unless you have that materia attached, they, they don't do it at all. Yeah, it's, and it, it actually took me a while to realize it was not happening, because, like, you assume that at some level that there is some autonomy with characters, like, you'll give them equipment and they make decisions, but no, you have to make all the decisions, which I guess... When you think about it, that is, like, the characters weren't doing their own stuff in the original game. Like, you had to issue commands for everyone. So it makes sense, but it's also, it feels a little counterintuitive to the nature of having autonomous uh, allies that they're also not autonomous. Right. Um, And I guess it's to, it's (laughs) to avoid the Kingdom Hearts Donald situation where he's just always... He's always doing stuff when you don't need him to and then never is able to do stuff when you do need him to. That's what I was thinking the entirety of this part of the conversation is how different the party system is between 7 Remake and Kingdom Hearts. And and it's crazy. I don't... And it's because I haven't gotten to, to a point yet, but I've never had to choose which three are in my party. So I have no clue if they're going to do that in this game. Um... It's it's interesting. Um, I want to get to a little bit of the 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 reactor stuff that Seth is in. So, how did you build your Airbuster? What did you take away? Um, I took I got rid of the AI cores and the the BBs. Yep, the smart things. Okay, <laughs> I was just making sure. Like, there's yeah. I, I uh, after I fought and did that, um, you know, I read an article on the best thing to do, and I was glad. Yeah. I was glad I did do that because I could see how I would have been boned. Um, yeah, I want to give you some tips and maybe some tips to other people that haven't got there, got to where I'm at. If you're at the beginning of the game, up to I believe chapter eight is when you can get it. Um, when you get the steel materia, use it. You keep it on a character that's in your party, because there's some weapons and stuff you can get with it that you can't get in the game. Uh, found that out and missed out on like two of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, the 
So get the steel materia and use it and use Cloud's Assess material that, materia that he gets. Uh, you can put it on any character, but it's very effective and it helps you fight a multitude of enemies that may seem perplexing when you're fighting them. It's just like, God, nothing is working. Um, and the, the Assess materia helps a lot with that. I don't know if you are using that, Seth, but I recommend it. I am. It. Um, I got I to gotta get that. I got used to it because of Chadley. Yeah, old Chadley. <laughs> Good old Chadley. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the new stuff, though. Um, because... So I was not expecting this. Um, this isn't a spoiler, because... So we know, like, from the trailers that Sephiroth is in the game. Um the trailers don't really explain to what extent he is in the game. Uh, and so I was incredibly surprised that within like the first hour, there is this major Sephiroth scene. Um, and it, yep. it was very interesting and, and it sort of sets the tone like, okay, this is going to not be anything like you were expecting. Um, and I have been at every, turn like pleasantly surprised with the new stuff um that they've put in because like it's clear that there's been a um a, a real desire to not only expand the the the, the care like the, the the characterization of of the city and of the people in it but um it it does like so of course you know this more than me but it does seem like not that they're telling an entirely different story but sort of a i don't know like an alternate world version of Final Fantasy 7 um it's it's been really interesting if you could see my face over here it's very difficult to talk about this because yeah. i i don't know for sure like I have, I have a lot of theories right now, but yeah, it's and it's a... like it's it's hard to know because you also like neither of us at this point know where the game ends, um, and also like the question is so well, how then are they in in the future installments? Like, how is that stuff also going to play out? Because um, like the the question at like when it was leading up to the release was like well what are they going to do to warrant the expansion of this game um and so now the question is like i mean it's not the question immediately because i'm still playing the game I, and and there's still stuff i have to learn but like what is the effect of the greater story of final fantasy 7 because like there is stuff that they are telling in this game that happens in final fantasy 7 proper it happens much later in the game um, yes, and and so they are not only changing the story, but they are also changing the order of the story, uh, and so it's it's really like it's compelling in in a way that I was not expecting it to be. Like we talked to how good about the demo was, and I think um, it is maybe one of the more perfect openings to a game that I've played, like, and just like the pacing and the music and the tone, it's really good. 
Um, and and then like it follows it up with this sort of table setting of this is what this game is going to be. Uh, and it's and and so like I knew I was going to like it, but I wasn't prepared to be as compelled by the uh, by the actions of the characters as I have been. Right. I I don't want to talk too much about that, but you're in the next couple chapters. There's stuff that they definitely do. Like you're talking about the reordering of things. There's definite stuff that happens that I'm like, I don't, and I texted you this. I don't know how much someone that's never played final fantasy seven proper or proper is the weird way to put that. But the original, I don't know how much they'll be able to understand some of the weird things that happen. Yeah. Um, So here's, um, you said earlier that you wish you had been able to come into the game like not knowing the stuff that you accidentally learned. Um, I have all there have been many moments that I have been like I wish I I wonder I wish I could experience this like without the knowledge of Final Fantasy Seven. Um yes. the original. Because mm. I am very curious how that affects the presentation of the game because yes. a lot of my experience of the crazy and new stuff that has happened in the game is filtered through knowing what happens to these characters in um like the the extent of the story uh so there are like the scene with the flying figures um it means a lot more to me because I know what they are. Um, or I don't know that it means a lot more, but it means it, it means something different to me because I know what those things are um, than it would that for someone who doesn't know what's happening. So I, like, I wonder how much experience in this game, um, like, uh, I don't... I wonder how much, like, you have to have a previous knowledge of Final Fantasy VII to experience this game, or if that I am just thinking it because I have a previous knowledge of Final Fantasy VII. Right. And, like... It's it's kind of the, like, uh, a lot of people talk about how um, the new Star Wars movie doesn't mean anything if you haven't seen the other ones. Like, those characters wouldn't understand the, the meaning of some of it. Um, right. And so... Like, how much is this actually leaning on, you know, you actually knowing this stuff already? And it, that's that's something that I've definitely thought through some of the game. Because you're coming in the next two chapter or two. Like, there's going to be one or two flash flashes where it's like, <laughs> I'm excited for you to text me during them. But it's just like, this means nothing. Literally nothing to someone that has no clue of what's going on. But it means everything. To yeah, me. yeah, those <laughs> things, those those moments specifically are curious to me. Um, and like, I think I brought this up like when we talked about the demo, because uh, like right at the beginning, Cloud has a a, a sort of Sephiroth Sephiroth flashback, um, and those moments specifically are weird because like there is no context given to who those characters are. Um, and 
Like, but part of that also is, is like, that is, is that designed to be a mystery? Like, like, are you supposed to, like the stuff that you're seeing, is it supposed to not make sense? Um, because you don't have that context. Uh, because you could argue that, at least in the original one, Cloud also did not have that context when yeah. those things <laughs> happened to him. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. And it's it's impossible for me to experience this game without having played Final Fantasy VII because I did play it. Um, and so, like, I... And I also haven't read anything... I've tried to not read a whole lot, but I also haven't read anything from people who have not played the original game. And I wonder, like, if... I wonder if there are any reviews out there of people who haven't played the original game and what they think about these moments that sort of don't really make any sense um, without the context of the characters. Um, And certainly in the game... (laughs) I mean... Like, in the actual story, it's like some of those characters do come into play and there are opportunities to um, resolve some of that tension. Um, but I don't know, like it's those, all, each of those scenes have been really like, I, I don't know if those have all worked for me because like, it seems like they are designed specifically toward the person who has played that. But like at the same time that, that it just makes it weird. Cause there's this, this sort of like meta-ness about it. It's like, Oh, you see, it's a little like yeah. a nudge, nudge. This is you know what this is, no, don't you? No, Nomura is full Nomura by where I'm at. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's very interesting. I was mentioning something in the forest, and it's because he we were just talking about how Nomura is kind of living vicariously through other properties since they've taken away some of the stuff he wanted to build, and. Like we talk about with Kingdom Hearts, how he's like putting Noctis in there with Yozora, basically. And I'm wondering how much the the battle system in Versus 13 maybe was supposed to be this way. And maybe some of the ways that he's attacking the plot of this. Attacking the plot. Which um, I... I don't know. Like if you... I mean, read or watch any stuff about versus 13 like that game was only ever ideas and never was actually a playable thing right and i um, i'm not i will we could talk about that later <laughs> it's i'm saying like there's definite there's just something going on and i i'm really interested to see all of all of how it shakes out. I've got maybe six hours left in the game. I've got four yeah. more chapters. I'm at the point, the game specifically tells you, um, all right, this is the last batch of side missions you're getting. Um, if you go any further storyline-wise, there's no turning back. And so I deliberately stopped. I was like, okay, I'm going to just do side missions now. Um, which the side missions have been pretty satisfying. I like them for the most part. Uh, my favorite set of side missions Seth is coming up on. I didn't like the ones in Sector 7 as much. Um, but there's three main sets of side missions. Uh, 
it's I'm really liking the combat. The the boss battles are super fun. That's where the combat shines. Uh Seth, you really touched on a point that I I wanted to speak up earlier that the the combat is mainly from the the viewpoint of cloud and I think that that super shines through on the like random enemies you kind of just run into going from point A to yeah. point B but the the boss battles and the even like if you want to consider them like mini bosses um just enemies with a little bit more difficulty that's where the battle system really shines and you do have to switch between characters yeah. um but the the smaller enemies you can kind of uh, you know, get through. I do. I I I want to talk so much more about this game. I just don't want to. I I would. I don't want to taint your vision of it or lead you uh, in any certain way, any more than I already have. So I'm gonna let you mainly. If you have any questions for me, or if you like about any systems, maybe you should be paying attention to. Um. Uh, I mean, not really. I, I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm experiencing the game fine. Yeah. So I don't, I don't exactly. <laughs> there's not nothing that I've been confused about. The summons are weird. Uh, they only let you use them in specific battles, <laughs> which is strange. Yeah. Uh, like that. Those seem uh, like that's the most direct pull out of Final Fantasy 15 that I have seen. Um, is that you don't really have control over the summons, uh, which is, is definitely interesting. And I guess um, the way the game works, like there's not really, I don't know. I, I can't really think of any other way to sort of balance the way those would work in a game like this. Um, and I, and I guess that's why they did it like that in Final Fantasy 15, um, because it's just easier to, take it out of your hands when the game is not turn-based um right and especially with like the the way the atb system works um i don't know they it's they're that's definitely an, an interesting uh quirk of the battle uh and i don't i don't think it's like that big of a deal honestly um because like not not because there were no summons at this part of the game in the original um, but they're, they feel like more sort of, uh, icing on, on the top rather than a core feature of the battle system. Like in fi- they were never like they were in Final Fantasy VIII where they were super important to the plot. And I guess in, in 10, they were like that too. Um, so that they have, that has, hasn't really been a, a big issue for me. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yeah, I'm. I I'm enjoying it so far. I'm excited to see what it has left for me. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm. I'm loving all the music, the collectible discs. Um, it's so good. Yeah, there was one other point that I wanted to make, but I can't remember what it was. Ooh. Okay. A mystery point. <laughs> mystery yeah. point. <laughs> Please remember uh, mm. before next week. Um, I'll try. This you... wasn't it, but also I, uh, I am in love with Jesse, <laughs> and I will. I'm gonna be real pissed if she just. Ugh. I don't know. The, it's. 
Mm, not best girl. <laughs> She's best girl. And this oh, game, oh man, this game makes you love her more than you ever could have, and it's infuriating. Uh, she's great. Um, yes. I I wanted I wanted to tell you, Seth. Um, I I really love, and I I don't know how much you're paying attention to. You probably are. I really love how much you can spec out characters to be very different based on their weapon. Like yeah. Barrett has, my Barrett is a caster basically. Um, he has. Oh, that was it. That so. One of the things that I was, that I did not know was in the game, and so when it, it happened, I was really excited. So each of the weapons mm-hmm. has its own like skill tree, and they also level up with you. Yep. So it is like that was one of the things I wondered what they were going to do with the weapon system, um, because the way it worked in the original is basically you got a new weapon and you kind of threw out the old one. Um, and it was always weird because, especially because of the, the Buster Sword and the kind of story stuff that is around it. Yeah. Um, but in this one, like each specific weapon you get has, um, its own play style basically that goes along with it and stuff that it's specialized to do. And you really can, like, you can you can choose the way you want to upgrade these weapons, and you can like you can decide which weapon you want to use throughout the game and, and sort of base your uh like your play style around that which i think is which is really cool and, I, and i'm glad that it um it it's no longer pointless just to to carry around the old stuff um and that like it, it really allows you to sort of pick out what you want i think that's really cool yeah and that's really each weapon and it's got like you... this little it's got this little Final Fantasy tactic style thing where if you use a weapon long enough, you permanently learn its special ability. Yeah, that's how they do the abilities in the game, which is super great. Um, yeah, the abilities are good. Uh, wait till you get this one for Barrett. It's so great. Uh, the one I just got, it's the best. But there's just so many different ways you can build each character. My Barrett's a caster. And I just got through a portion of the game where maybe they didn't expect you to make your bear to caster, but boy, did I. And it was great. <laughs> it's like it, it, I, I kind of just sped through that part and it felt like maybe this was supposed to be harder. <laughs> um, and you're figuring out the speedrun strategy for the game, David. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I would never put myself on that level. But. Yeah, just great. I don't want to go too much more into it. I want to wait till we can really talk the heck out of it. Because um, the all the stuff you've got to look forward to, Seth, is great. All the voice acting is really good. The mini games are fun. Um, yep. The and I, I love all the the little nods to the original, like not the big nods, but like the little little details that 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 hint toward the original game. Like how the the summon animations are the are the the same animations that you would use when you cast a spell in the original game. Yeah, like stuff like that's really cool. Wait, yeah, there's so many more little nods. I I wish it's so frustrating because this game has created this weird like I want to like be sitting there watching you play it because I yeah. want to be there when you react because especially some of the stuff that forced I streamed it the other night. 
uh, if you clicked in on, on the Discord. And some of the stuff Forrest was getting to watch me play was like there were so many nods and stuff. And I was just like, I was freaking out. I was like, this is, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> I, I was I was having a moment. And yeah, it's it's great. Loving it. Loving the game. Thank you, Tetsuya Nomura, you madman. Uh, <laughs> huh, you know, I now I genuinely, you know, I went into this not knowing how excited I'd be. And now I don't know if I want this or more Kingdom Hearts. Like, I don't know how he's splitting his time between this, but holy moly. Um, he's working hard. Yeah. He's a hardworking man. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, that's why they have all these teams working on Kingdom Hearts now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I also I can't say that while playing through the game I did not ever I did not stop to imagine what Final Fantasy VIII would look like like this. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, it'll, that will certainly never happen. But oh, God, this game actually made man. me think of Final Fantasy VIII. I don't know how much I want to go <laughs> wow. far, but I figured I thought it was kind of neat that gave Cloud his sort of like Seifer basically uh, with that Roche guy. Yes. The, yeah. Those, oh, yeah. The, the that Roche insane guy. dude. <laughs> Roche is great. He's just I love when he's on screen. Man. Yes. Push it to the red line. It's like, okay. He's, yeah. He's, he's literally insane. <laughs> and yeah. I love him. Yeah. Oh man. That was that was a really great scene. Um Yeah. The game does I a, really thought you were gonna get his sword after you beat him. Oh uh, yeah. Alas. The game does a great job of taking moments and making them so much bigger than they were. And really uh, the story beats are so much stronger because yep. of it. And well, I think where the game has shined for me the most is in the completely original stuff. Like that too. Yeah. Like the expanded stuff from the original is really good. And the sort of interesting lore stuff that, that calls back to the original are also something like I'm still not sure how I think, but like the stuff that was not in the original, like that that um, introduces new characters or takes you to these places that the original never went to, or fleshes out characters who had no personality. Like those are those are the the stuff that I I found myself like the most enjoying. Yeah. Before we go any longer, I want to stop. I want to save some of it for next week so with that we appreciate you listening as always we know this episode ran long but a lot of good stuff and um we will talk at you next week with our hopeful final fantasy 7 review hopefully seth will beat it by then i don't know how much of a life i'm gonna have here soon because i'm just gonna power through the rest of that game and yeah very excited um So with that, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. See you.